From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, tear film homeostasis. We hypothesize the aqueous layer and the layer may compensate for each other. First this. If time and money were no object, you'd probably go to a lot of meetings. Not just ASCRS, but ESCRS, APACRS, AAO, Hawaiian Eye, and Winter Update, and you'd learn a ton. But money is an issue, and time an even bigger one. That's why I go to all of those meetings for you. Speak with the presenters you'd like best, and get them to distill their talks down to just a few minutes. You can see all of these interviews at no cost at the iWorld Replay website. Just go to ewreplay.org, E-W-R-E-P-L-A-Y.org, and enjoy. It's not infrequent for a patient to walk into the practice of a comprehensive ophthalmologist with symptoms of dry eye and of tearing. We explain to the patient that these are not contradictory findings and that the reflex tearing is a result of compensation for desiccation of the ocular surface. It all makes sense from a teleological standpoint, but let's step back and think about this for a second. What we're saying is that there is a positive feedback loop, or in the words of my guest today, a homeostasis that is actively maintained in the tear film. Reiko Arita is an expert in tear layer homeostasis and has recently published on the subject. I'm delighted to have her as my guest today. Reiko, welcome to A Scene From Here. You describe the normal tear layer as a homeostatic system. What do you mean by this? What do you mean by, by tear homeostasis? The film consists of several components which try to maintain a certain balance, just like the body fluid maintaining a pH or an ion balance. Before we talk about dry eye, let me have you describe the differences between aqueous deficient dry eye and evaporative dry eye. According to Dry Eye Workshop report of 2007, dry eye is classified in two subtypes. One is aqueous deficient dry eye and the other is evaporative dry eye. Both of two types have dry eye symptoms. Aqueous deficient dry eye is caused by reduced lacrimal tear secretion. Evaporative dry eye is induced by excessive tear evaporation. What was the question your study sought to answer, and how does this relate to your model of the homeostatic tear film? We hypothesize the aqueous layer and oily layer may compensate for each other to maintain homeostasis at the ocular surface. We chose aqueous deficient dry eye group and MGD suffering group, which was a cause of evaporative dry eye. Basically, one group uh, suffered from the aqueous layer, the other group from the lack of lipid layer. We hypothesized if the lipid layer increases in aqueous deficient dry eye group, and if the aqueous layer increases in MDD group, then each layer compensates for each other to maintain homeostasis in the tear film. 
Can I get you to describe the design of your study? This study was a multi-center cross-sectional test series. This study was conducted by LIT and my Bohmian Grand Working Group, LIME. This group consists of seven doctors from different six university hospitals nationwide. Therefore, we were able to include a large number of patients. What were your inclusion criteria and what were the main outcome measures? Inclusion criteria was women older than 40 years and dry symptoms without a past history of ocular surgery, nor a systemic disease, nor taking operations, nor applying topical eye drops. Uh, and main outcome measures were subjective symptoms and objective findings. Objective findings were late margin abnormality, the grading of myromian lipids, myelum, the in conjunctival staining with fluorescent, uh, telfilm stability with fluorescent, and the uh, morphological changes of myvolmian glands by basal myography, and tear fluid production without anesthetic. What were your results? What were your findings, Reiko? Yes, the MIBO score correlated significantly with Sherman's test value in the MGD group. So, uh, we found tear fluid production increases in the MGD group. It might be as a compensatory response. But we also found lipid layer didn't increase in ACAS deficient group. Or a compensation response in the tear film seems to be one way. You demonstrated that the tear secretion increased with increasing severity of MGD. Why do you think this is true? We believe this is true based on the previous and experimental reports and our clinical experiences. Uh, experimental MGD model demonstrated that tear secretion was significantly higher in the affected eyes compared to control eyes. And um, tear meniscus height in MGD was similar to that of normal uh, normal eyes. Uh, indeed, in severe MGD, tear meniscus height was significantly higher uh, compared to normals. And uh, sometimes uh, MGD patients complain of lacrimal sensation as ephora. Uh, therefore, our results reasonably explained our clinical impression relating to MGD. You propose a physiologic mechanism by which increased production, increased tear production, may be stimulated in the context of meibomian gland dysfunction. The mechanism involves friction between the eye and the eyelid. Can I get you to, to sort of flesh that out for me? Yes. Uh, according to the technical of cornea, Increased friction due to the lack of lipid layer between eyelid and the cornea during blinking may stimulate the ocular surface and thereby trigger tear secretion by the lacrimal gland. You found that the patients with meibomian gland dysfunction did not have decreased tear film breakup time. 
What are the factors that contribute to shortening tear film breakup time? Yes, a variety of factors affect tear film breakup time. Tear film breakup time depends not on lipid layer, but also on acus layer, mucin layer, and ultrasurface epithelium. You did not find a substantial difference in symptoms, in, in symptom scores among the groups that you measured. This means that patients with meibomian gland dysfunction but without aqueous deficient dry eye were just as symptomatic as those with much drier eyes. I've seen patients in my own practice with meibomian gland dysfunction and substantial discomfort seemingly out of proportion to the degree of dry eye. Why do you think that patients with meibomian gland dysfunction can be so symptomatic? Yeah, that is very good and important question. Uh, as you said, there is a large discrepancy between subjective symptoms and objective findings in MGD. The reason is not clear, but it might be related to sensory nerve stimulation around the myelin glands and the ocular surface. Uh, this seems really important area for next MGD research. How should these findings influence clinical management of these different sorts of patients? From our results, we couldn't distinguish acus deficient dry eye uh, or evaporative dry eye uh, from only their dry eye symptoms. So, the clinicians should pay more attention to which layer acus or lipid is impaired in each patient. Uh, after the proper diagnosis, we propose to focus on the improvement of the, of the balance among the TOPM components. In addition to treating the meibomian gland dysfunction itself, what therapies do you recommend for meibomian gland dysfunction patients that might be different from what you would recommend for aqueous deficiency dry eye patients without meibomian gland dysfunction? Of course, it depends on uh, each patient's condition of meibomian glands. Uh, usually, I first recommend lipid stimulation therapy, including warming eyelids, such lip hygiene, uh, blinking exercise, uh, and dietary advice. Sometimes eye ointment is effective. Now, some patients need anti-inflammatory therapy. Still at present, there is no gold standard for here Riko, I want to thank you so much for being so generous with your time. Domar Raikato. <laughs> I enjoy speaking with you. Thank you. Thank you very much for your time. Reiko Arita is Associate Professor at Keio University in Tokyo, Japan. Her paper, Increased Tear Fluid Production as a Compensatory Response to Meibomian Gland Loss, a Multicenter Cross-Sectional Study, appears in the May 2015 issue of Ophthalmology. Ask questions of Dr. Arita or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at josh at iWorld.org. As Seen From Here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.